Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. Well, the U.S. Open over in Forest Hills is upon us, and I thought I'd spend some time this morning talking about tennis. Now, the truth is, sports fans talk all the time about which are the most vocal and most animated fans when it comes to watching their kids in sports. And usually the debate focuses on perhaps soccer or baseball moms and dads or ice hockey sports parents. But the conversation then turns to tennis parents. And in truth, tennis parents, well, they don't take a backseat to moms and dads in any sport. And don't forget, tennis is is an individual sport as opposed to a team sport like soccer or baseball or ice hockey. And when kids are out on the court having a, a difficult or challenging match, well, that can spawn all sorts of, how should we say, unusual parental behavior from the sidelines. And after all, as a tennis parent, you want your child not only to go out and play well, but also to succeed. And even worse, sometimes the parents of your kid's opponent can go over the top as well. In any event, I thought we'd spend some time this morning talking about what it's like to try and raise a young tennis player in this area. And to that end, I want to introduce to my my guest this morning, Erica Volnovich, who was a a top tennis player growing up here on Long Island, indeed good enough to play highly competitive Division I tennis in the Ivy League at Brown University. Erica now has two boys of her own, one of whom is a promising tennis player. And on this morning's show... I want to talk with Erica about her being a tennis parent and how things have, well, let's say, changed from when she was growing up playing the game and chasing her own dreams. Erica, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am well, thank you. Thank you for getting up early this morning to talk about the world of tennis uh, and being a tennis mom. And, of course, friends, we'll take your calls at one 337 6666 First, just some background on yourself as a tennis player. You You played... Uh, out of the uh, the Port Washington uh, Tennis Academy, is, is that correct? That is correct. So I grew up, um, I grew up on Long Island on the North Shore in quite the competitive um, environment, both for academics and athletics. Yep. Um, so there was a real push to succeed, not only in your sport but in the classroom as well, to eventually get into a top school after graduation. So, you know, this wasn't pressure from my parents, you know, just to make that clear. This was just the environment that I was growing up in. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes it was definitely a challenge, but I didn't let that stop my, stop me. You know, I, from a young age, I dedicated myself to the sport of tennis. Um, it's what I wanted to play. My parents 
you know, encouraged me to do so. And it was all I knew from a really early age. It was my schoolwork and it was my tennis career. And that's, that's how I grew up. Um, so yes, I would go every day after school to the Port Washington Tennis Academy. In fact, once I got to high school level, I didn't go to gym class anymore. I would leave school early every day and I would go play tennis for hours after school as part of what would be considered my phys ed program at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, growing up again in that area was tough. The high school team was tough. You had a lot of girls competing, could be very mean at some points. The parents could be mean at some point. In fact, nowadays I'll even drive by some of those courts I used to compete on when I was a kid and I still get that feeling in the pit of my stomach, but didn't let it stop me, kept moving forward. And, you know, eventually had the opportunity to play Division One tennis at Brown University. It was a very exciting time of my life when the when the recruiting process started, applying to schools um, out of high school. And, you know, tennis has opened up a ton of doors for me, um, you know, even through today, even this opportunity to speak with you on the, you know, on the show this morning. So, you well, know, don't regret any minute of it. Erica, let's talk about this a little bit more specifically. Now, obviously, growing up uh, on the island and and. At what age would you say you decided, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to forego other sports. Maybe you played other sports as a kid. I don't know. But at mm-hmm. what point did you decide I'm going to play tennis and what kind of commitment did that involve uh, playing tennis as a kid in terms of uh, days of practice during the week and so on and so forth? Yeah, it's interesting because I speak to my parents about this all the time because I want to say I probably committed to the sport maybe at 11 years old where I started my boys you know, at a much younger age, and they'll always say to me, you know, you, you, you never started this young when you were, you know, a kid playing. But I would say around the age of 11 or so, I really committed. Mm-hmm. Um, at which point, I played at a few different academies around Long Island until I finally really found a home at Port Washington, where they were really taking me under their wing and developing me and putting me through their, their program. Um, it then involved, you know, tournaments on the weekends. Um, I this taught me a lot of discipline. I would be the one to, you know, back then nothing was online. So there was a book that the USTA would send every month with tournaments in the area. I would go through the book. I would highlight what I wanted to play, show it to my parents. They would then sign me up. Um, there was a commitment. There was a commitment to play and train at the academy. There was a commitment for tournaments on the weekends. Um, again, this is this is what I knew. I didn't know anything different, but mm-hmm. I would say around the age of 11, is when I really committed to doing this. As far as other sports, I did figure skating for a while. Um, you know, that that was it. My parents gave me the opportunity to try other sports, but I would say, you know, tennis is really what I took to and said I wanted to pursue. Now, what, what I'm curious, uh, you said, of course, before the Internet, what years were we talking about when you were just starting to get immersed in tennis as a kid? Um, so I would say like 84, okay. 85, like around, around then. I mean, I guess the Internet, we were starting, but to actually... The USTA back then, I don't remember there being a website. You know, sure. I remember getting this book in the mail every month um, with with the tournaments in the eastern section, which I played in. And again, I would go in and circle and show my parents and say, can you write a check so I can register for this tournament? And, you know, that's how it works. Well, speaking of which, what about the cost? I mean, again, going back yeah. to the 80s and 90s, what was the financial commitment involved uh, with obviously your, your mom and dad had to drive you to tournaments. Uh, yep. What did it cost to do all this? I'm curious. It was huge. I mean, I guess it's more a question for my parents back then in <laughs> terms of what tournaments cost. And I really think, I don't recall what they cost back then. I could tell you today what the financial commitment is. I mean, these tournaments, you could look at anything from, you know, $50 to some of the higher level national tournaments are close to $200 a tournament, just depending on where they are, 
Um, and then in terms of, you know, how many rounds you'd be offered per tournament. You're then talking about nowadays travel. I didn't do as much travel when I was a kid, but now with my son, we travel quite a bit more around the country for tournaments, starting to get more into that national level feel as well. So then you're talking gas, you're talking hotel, you're talking airline tickets if you're flying somewhere, plus the cost of the tournament, um, plus the equipment, um, you know, coaching, it's, it's definitely, definitely an expense and definitely something my husband and I talk about, you know, quite a bit, but this is, this is where we put our, um, this is where we put our money. This is where we feel is something important for us right now for, you know, for my son, he enjoys doing it. We enjoy it as a family. And yeah, it's, it's definitely a financial commitment though. Could, could I uh, impose upon you to give me a ballpark figure as to what oh. you guys are spending on, on, on your, your son? I am he's 12. He's 12, right? Yeah, he's 12. I mean, I'm thinking like, I would say for him alone, for the lessons, maybe about 2000 a month or so. 2000 I mean, a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. It's, it's, it's quite a bit. And then the tournaments, if you're playing three or four tournaments a month, then you're talking, you know, 50 to to $100 there. So, you know, it's, it's a commitment. You know, it's funny because you mentioned he's 12 now as opposed to when you say you, you just got – you made a commitment to tennis when you were 11. So clearly right. there's a shift here uh, yes. as to as to <laughs> what, what took yes. place. Uh, I, and I'm curious, how did you – okay, so you went through high school. Where did you go to high school? I went to Great Neck North. Okay, and then that, during Great Neck North you played for the high school team while you were playing, obviously, travel or what do you would call tournament uh, tennis. Yep. How, yep. Did you, how did you get recruited to go to uh, to Brown? So when it came time for, um, you know, college recruitment back in those days, again, um, as far as the internet and sending emails to people, it was a matter of just, I think, starting to speak to your guidance counselor, see where you may want to go, um, you know, to to go to school. And at which point you would start to reach out to coaches by phone call or by letter, um, and say, I'm so-and-so, I'm interested in playing on your team. Um, back then also you would make these VHS tapes of yourself, um, playing tennis. So at Port Washington Tennis Academy, the coaches there would record me playing and I would send out VHS copies to all these different coaches um, around the country to the schools that I wanted to go to. Then you started hearing back from, um, coaches and that was a very exciting time because you were wanted at all the, any of the hard times you had growing up as a player, you were finally wanted to, um, you know, it was paying off. You wanted to, you were asked to be on their team. And I would be, I would be asked to come for some weekends and wind and dine a bit. And, you know, this is the team we'd love for you to play with us. And to be honest with you, at first I was going to go to another, another school. I was all set to go. And, um, at that point, I was put on the wait list at Brown University. I hadn't gotten in right away. And I had accepted an offer from another school to play on another team. And, I then curbed from Brown, and at that point, I said, I'm sorry, you know, I'm committed, and the coach said, I really think you need to give this some thought. We really would love to have you play for the Ivy League, and, um, you know, next thing I know, I was at Brown. Jeez. Um, Well, my guest this morning is Erica Volnovich, and we're talking about, you know, her own tennis experiences growing up on Long Island and now being a tennis mom as well. We'll get into that on uh, the next segment of the show. And, of course, we'll open uh, our phone lines to people who want to talk about tennis and what it's like to be a tennis parent these days at 1-877-337-6666. Erica, we got to take a break for some commercials and an update. When I return, we'll go back to our conversation.
We're talking this morning with Eric Vonovich, a former Division I tennis player at Brown University. Now she's a tennis mom. Uh, Erica, we just talked about your own beginnings growing up on Long Island and your own progression as a tennis player. It's curious you mentioned, you know, about the recruiting process and, and how you were the one who basically did the outreach uh, to to top schools to yeah. tell them your interest. Uh, you know, it, it's these days because of the Internet, I would say it's just the opposite, especially with the USTA rankings. Most yeah. of the college coaches know exactly uh, who they're looking at in terms of potential uh, prospects or recruits, and obviously they know your academics as well. Is that fair to say? It's very fair to say, and in fact, my you know my son's twelve now, and you can go on you know if you Google him online and his name comes up, it'll actually even show kind of where he is in the college recruitment process at twelve years old. Jeez. You know, based on his ranking, based on they have this new rating now called UTR Universal Tennis Rating, which is a relatively new rating um, that's out there right now where. Um, Everyone has a UTR rating. Roger Federer has a UTR rating. It ranges from 0 to 16. Federer is a 16, of course. And basically, as you move up, um, as you play matches, it it looks at the quality of match you're playing, and, and there's an algorithm which takes all of your matches you play and eventually gives you this UTR rating to see where you fit yeah. compared to other to other players. So, you know, you you could end up losing a match, but losing it in a, in a third set tiebreaker to someone who has a higher UTR. And you'll actually get points towards that to your UTR rating because you played a high quality match. So nowadays, college coaches are not only looking at your USTA rankings and how you're doing per age group, but they're also looking at this UTR rating and how you're faring um, amongst other kids that same age. Uh, so, it's, But yes, it's all on the internet, yes. And you say, I mean, your son is age 12. Yeah. So what grade in school is he? Um, he is going into seventh grade, yep. So he's already being looked at and evaluated and ranked in the UTR as to yep. what his prospects are for when he eventually finishes high school and goes to wants to go to college. That's got to tell you, that's a little mind blowing to me, uh, to say yeah. the least. And I'm sure for you, it's probably a little bit, um, you know, a little, little stunning as well. It is. No, it, it definitely is. It's, it's exciting in the fact that, um, you know, I'm happy for him. He, he loves playing the sport. You know, he loves playing the sport, um, which in, for him, at 12 years old, he has this goal of something he's committed to and loves to do. Yep. Um, you know, I have a younger son who's who's nine, who was playing tennis for years as well, who was doing extremely well. And in his mind, you know, he's gravitating more towards baseball right now. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that, letting my kids kind of take the path that they want and moving forward in the path that they want towards getting that goal, whatever that might be. But, yes, it's exciting. How, how often does your 12-year-old, uh, how often does he play tennis? Does he, does he play Seven days a week. Is he? Yep. Is he? Do he take breaks during the course of the year? Tell me just what 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 his progression is all about. Yeah. So right now he plays. Um, we're in Westchester. He plays at White Plains at the Tennis Innovators Academy, and we have um, we have a very good relationship with the coaches there. We have a very open dialogue in terms of his development, in terms of where he's heading, in terms of what he should be doing um, for someone his age. So he is there. I want to say five or six days a week. He's there every day after school. So it's time commitment, and it's also been wonderful to help him with time management. You know, you want to go play tennis, homework has to get done. You have a test on Thursday, it's Monday, you're playing tennis all week, let's start studying now. So I'm really trying to help him with that time commitment as well. And the academy, you know, they, they're very interested in academics as well. They want to make sure you're doing well in school to keep moving forward with the program they have there also. So during the week, he's at the academy, and then on the weekends, it's typically 
tournament play, whether it's local tournaments, even a local tournament this weekend, or whether we're actually getting in the car and driving somewhere, um, depending on what it is. So when we have a weekend off, it's nice sometimes. It's nice sometimes just to kind of decompress and take a little bit of a break. Um, but there is a commitment. And even at 12 years old at the academy where he is, they have them on a fitness program as well. Nothing, you know, too intense, but they are starting to do some fitness to help them as well as terms of their development. So they have a wonderful program there, plus match play, you know, plus helping them understand what it's like to be in these different competitive situations before they get out onto the court for a tournament. So he's in a really good program. And again, it's that open dialogue with the coaches that I feel is so important just to make sure that your child is developing in the right way. We're talking with Erica Vonovich, uh, who is a tennis mom, and she was a top tennis player herself, getting an inside look at what it's like these days to be a tennis parent uh, and to raise a child uh, in, in that very competitive world. Let's let's take some calls at one 337 Let's start with Mary out on Long Island. Mary, good morning. You're on the fan. Hi, how are you? Good, Mary. <laughs> I have a 12-year-old daughter, actually, that plays, and she just started doing tournaments um, back in November, she plays for the high school team and everything. I'm just calling because <clears throat> one of the things as a tennis parent that bothers me, and I don't know if this bothers her with her son, is sometimes the lack of oversight with these kids when they're put out on the court for tennis tournaments. Uh, a lot of the clubs sometimes don't have monitors around all the time. I know that they can go and ask for a line judge, but a lot of kids, like especially kids like my daughter, are very shy. They won't go ask. And I just wanted to know what her opinion was on that and mm-hmm. how it bothers me as a parent. <laughs> well, Mary, I'm glad, I'm glad you chimed in with that question because, Erica, I was going to ask you the same thing because it's one thing when, you know, when you're playing yourself, you know, obviously you're, you're relying upon your own athletic instincts and competitive juices. But when you're a parent in this, on the sidelines, especially mm-hmm. at the youth level, you know, things do happen. And, and oh. uh, yeah, I'm sure you can tell us lots of stories. Tell, us, tell, us, tell Mary and myself how you cope with this. Yeah, so uh, Mary, I'm totally in agreement with you. Tennis is it's such the game of the honor system. You know, you know, most times it's just two kids out there calling the balls on their own um and you have to take them for their word. Um I agree with you that I I really feel there needs to be more consistency amongst tournament directors um on you know, either observing matches, and I'm not saying all. I've been to tournaments where there's been very strict tournament directors where they're out on the court and they're observing and they're yeah. seeing calls yeah. that are, that are you know, called incorrectly and they're overruling them. But there are other times when I don't see that kind of interaction with the tournament director and you see parents getting out of control or kids acting up on the court. And I so want to say something, and it's so difficult because yes you see your kid out there and your kid might be struggling and there's no coaching in tennis either which is another yeah. topic I wanted to talk about but I agree with you that I would love to see more consistency amongst tournament directors that if we're going to do this and you're going to run these types of tournaments from your clubs that are you know USTA um, sanctions events you know I would love to see that level as well where parents kids you know are held accountable for their actions and there's a little bit more there's more overseeing of that 100 percent yeah, I, t- I just sort of take the choice of, you know, I take her to the tournament and I have her go out on the court and I don't watch anymore because sometimes yeah. as a parent, it's frustrating to watch. There was one tournament she was in, the ball was six inches in and the girl is calling it I out. Know. I finally I went, up and went over to them and said, listen, somebody's got to go out there and watch them because this girl's making ridiculous calls. I know. I know. And, and the, yeah. their call is supposed to hold because it's their call if yeah. nobody is there. And it, it's it, just, as a parent, it's very hard to watch. 
it, it's very hard. And as a parent, you're, you're not supposed to say anything to the tournament director. If you do, the tournament director said they have to come out and say something. So I've been telling my son, you know, if you have a problem, if there's an issue, come off the court and say something. It's okay. But yeah. you know, as a parent, I, I'm with I, you, Mary. I walk away sometimes and I let my, my, my husband sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, thank, thank you for the call. Erica, this is a real problem. And it's, as you yeah. say, it's it, tennis has a rich tradition of the honor system. Yeah. But in this day and age, we, as Mary just talked about, it's a such highly competitive, stressful environment because the kids obviously want to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, ought to, they obviously want to please their parents who are watching their matches. Uh, they want to rise in the rankings. And, you know, one thing leads to another, and, and um, it's it's frustrating. And you you we were talking the other day, you witnessed um, – you know, parents uh, will sometimes just uh, lose their cool, like yeah. parents in other sports, and they'll they'll confront young young kids. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's just bizarre. It's bizarre, and that happened a few weeks ago at a tournament. My son was out with my husband. My you know, I'm hearing the story from my husband, but you know, long story short, yes, a father of another kid approached an 11 or 12 year old boy after a match after the kid lost the kid even lost to his son and he still approached the kid to say something and at which point that other parent got in that other father's face as you can imagine oh. it wasn't a good scene and at which point my husband actually said to the tournament director are you going to do something and there's not much i can do and there is something you can do you know and then sure enough you see these parents at a tournament the next week yeah. <laughs> and there's just no repercussions for it and i i really feel that that would make this sport just so much better at the junior level um, if there was more oversight of that. Um, I, you know, that's that's how I feel. And I also feel coach, there's no coaching in this sport. There's no interaction with your kid in this sport. You have to sit on the sidelines. Sometimes you're behind glass. Sometimes you're right on the court. You have to be quiet. You can't move. If you move, someone will say you're coaching. You know, I just moved my arm. That's not coaching. And that also causes issues between parents because right away they're arguing with each other. Why are you coaching? Why are you coaching? Um, it's a very difficult sport as a parent to be at because you can't say anything. And I personally feel that there should at some point be some level of coaching allowed, just like they're starting to do in the women's professional tour, you know, in between sets. You know, Erica, it, it, it's, it's, it's always some been sort of, Bizarre to me. Like last year, you know, with Serena Williams was uh, was accused yeah. of being coached from the stands. I mean, it's 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 almost it's hard to find any other professional sport where coaching is yep. is is not allowed. I mean, um, what what do you think the rationale is for that? Particularly at the, at the youth levels, where obviously the kids twelve or thirteen. Yeah, yeah, they could benefit from some coaching, and I'm also curious. What, what do you what do you say to your son as to prepare mm-hmm. them when they when he goes out in the court and says, "You understand, I can't I can't help you during the course mm-hmm. of your of your play." Yep. So before he gets on the court, my husband and I we have we, we without fail all we say to him before he goes on the court is we say, "Have fun." To me, that is the most important thing. He knows what he needs to do at this level. He has coaches, and I always try to tell myself, "I am his parent. I am not his coach." Yeah. So his coaches. Whether they're at the match, great. If they can't make that particular match, they talk to him prior to the match. So in his mind, he knows what he needs to do. My son already knows that we cannot communicate with him during the match. And it's difficult because sometimes 
even yesterday he was playing a match and he's looking at us because he was getting frustrated. Yeah. I can't say anything to you. What do you want me to oh, say? Oh. Um, you know, but I, I agree with you. I don't know why, especially at the junior level, there isn't some level of coaching, even between sets. Um, the other day I was watching Naomi Osaka, the number one player for, you know, playing the number one seat at the U.S. Open and she was playing Serena Williams in, um, another tournament. And they're starting to allow some coaching in the women's professional level. And, during one of the breaks, they had a microphone on her coach who came on the court and sat down next to her and was talking to her. And it was so nice to hear a, at the professional level, you know, a coach talking to a player and what you need to do. And at the end of that, he said to her, are you, he asked her, are you having fun? And she said, yes. And I said, how great would that be if as a parent or as a coach in between sets of a tournament, you can actually step on the court for two minutes and say to, say to them, kiddo, you're doing great. You know, I'm proud of you keep doing this, keep doing this, and have fun. What would that do to a kid's psyche on the court, which I think is so important? Yeah, I I, I can't, I mean, I, I agree so much with that. I mean, especially at the junior level, we just said the kids are still developing, they're still trying to get a sense of who they are and what they're trying to develop in mm-hmm. terms of their skills and their psyche. I mm-hmm. don't see why that is not allowed, and I would sure like to think that, uh, you know, the, the, the powers that be in tennis would say, maybe we should reconsider this, because mm-hmm. it's, it's, again, it's at the develop, me, developmental stage, as opposed even to the professional level, but you tell it's already happening at the pro level with the women's circuit, so, yeah. I, you know, I just think it's something that should happen. All right, let me, we're talking with Erica Volnovich this morning about, obviously, tennis, and what it's like to be a tennis mom in this day and age of highly competitive tennis, and we've already heard some of these stories of the difficulties that perhaps can be can be erased and the situations that can be improved upon. And we're taking your calls at one 337 6666 Erica, we'll take a break. Seth Cantor has the update. When I return, I go right back to the phone calls. Stay with me. My guest right now is Erica Volnovich. We're talking about being uh, a tennis parent in this highly competitive day and age of, of tennis. Uh, and by the way, you can go to uh, www.askcoachwolf.com, uh, my website. I'm going to post a terrific column that Erica has penned. Uh, I'll post it uh, later today about what it's like to be a tennis parent and you know living through the 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 agonizing emotions of watching your son go out and try to play in, in a very uh, very sort of competitive world of, of, of sports, tennis, uh, as a 12-year-old. But it's a terrific essay, and again, I'll, I'll post that in a couple hours after the show. Erica, uh, we're talking about the various components here. I, I, you know, I know tennis moms can be uh, very much involved in the sport. I've even heard that, uh, you know, some of these tennis people, I mean, I've heard reports, for example, of of uh, one person who's actually basically decorated a bathroom in their home with all sorts of tennis memorabilia, including tennis nets and old rackets. Have you heard that story? I, yeah, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> now, talk about this. You, you decorated one of the bathrooms? Is, is like, like, it's like you're at a, at a, at a tennis uh, match? Yeah, so we moved into our home a few years ago, and the, the downstairs bathroom had this bright purple tile. And I said to my husband, I'm not really sure if I'm a fan or not. But I really didn't feel like, you know, redoing the entire bathroom. So he said, what do you love so much? I said, tennis. He says, what are the colors of Wimbledon? I said, uh, purple, green. He goes, that's it. We're doing a Wimbledon theme slash tennis bathroom. <laughs> and it's just over the years has um, has grown. So we have vintage tennis rackets and vintage 
trophies and Wimbledon towels and you name it, it's become a little bit of a museum. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people, of course, have uh, have trophy rooms or, or little uh, yes. parts of their home where they like yes. to show off what they're, they've done in sports. But uh, a tennis bathroom, that, that's sort yeah. of unique. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's get back to our calls at one 337 6666 Let's go up to Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. <laughs> How are you, Rick oh, and Erica? Check. How are you? Um, good morning. First of all, Erica, I don't think you're 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 passing on the right message to your two sons with decorating the bathroom in tennis. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I know I know in my house my diploma, my college diploma is in the bathroom, but um, <laughs> but the, the bathroom for tennis. You know, listening to this story, and um, I, I was speaking to Rick the other day, and we were talking about. I have a cousin. My wife has a cousin, Michael Grant, who played at Port Washington. Yes. But he he grew up he grew up in Roslyn, and um, yeah. he played at the at the at the Port Washington. He went on to play college uh, tennis at Trinity in Texas. He turned pro. He played against. I, I watched him play against Jimmy Connors and the McEnroe yep. boys, and you know so and John Lloyd. So. I understood, and it's something I, I, I text Rick, and I said, you know what? Um, thinking back, when I was younger, I had just I met my wife at 13 years old, and I got involved with her family a little bit later. But I had met Michael when he was about, I'm going to say, 11 years old. I must have been about 15 or 16 at the time. And he was specializing, in, and I remember thinking back, and I, I had mentioned this to Rick in a text, I remember thinking back about, oh, my God, this kid plays tennis every single day. He's out on the weekends. He's at 12, 13 years old. He's traveling all over. So when you think about specializing in sports, I'm going to tell you that tennis was probably the the front runner in this because I remember the time. I'm going to take this whole topic one direction, and I've read – Rick's books, and I've listened to Rick for many, many years, and, you know, the things that he brings up and the sports parenting that that I'm getting involved in today is so interesting. You talked about your son's life at 12 years old, and, and, and believe me, I'm not trying to be negative at all, mm-hmm. okay? Um, it doesn't sound like he plays any other sports. Okay, um, some of the studies that are out there, big time studies, tell us that kids have a tendency to quit their sport between 13 and 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, burnout is a very, very, very big topic today. You know, using the same muscles over, overusing the muscles is another topic that I've heard the Rick talk about. So. What kind of social life does your son have? I mean, he's playing. You said before <laughs> that he's playing tennis Jack, every let, single day. Jack, let me let I, Erica I, answer because I'm looking against yeah. the clock here. But Erica, I'm curious okay. as yeah. well. I mean, so, I hear everything you're saying 100%. And he actually did try some other sports. He played baseball for a while, although he would, he would hit a baseball like he was hitting a tennis ball. So it wasn't the best <laughs> baseball swing. But, you know, we did expose him to other sports. Um, as far as his social life, he has his group of friends. He has his tennis friends. He has his friends from school, but he has this amazing group of tennis friends who are his supporters, his competitors, his friends. 
And again, in terms of the burnout and everything you've mentioned, this is again where the dialogue comes in with the coaches, where we work very closely together, you know, to make sure that that's not, not happening. And I ask him all the time, are you having fun? Do you want to continue doing this? Um, you know, and it's always a yes. This, this is him and this is us as parents and coaches trying to guide him in the right direction so that that doesn't happen. And, yeah. you know, Rick, now in day, like the USTA, they're doing a lot also to, for youth tennis to try to put kids in that right direction, in that right pathway, so they don't get discouraged at a young age and they don't, you know, drop out of the sport where they're starting kids um, on this net generation program where they're playing with smaller rackets, larger balls, lower nets at a young age. So they're slowly developing into the sport and not immediately, here's a large racket, here's a ball, go play tennis like I did when I was a kid. So they're gradually trying to get kids interested into the sport, scale it down to their size and have them develop at the right pace so they end up having a fun time with the sport and develop in the right way. Yeah, and Jack, thank you for, I, for that I, call. I mean, okay, let me uh, wrap right. this up, but thank you, Jack. I no mean, and, and Erica, I, I'm so yeah. glad that uh, Jack had asked you about making sure that your son... Because uh, he's, you know, at age thirteen, that's sort of the peak time when kids totally. do get, you know, burned out on a sport. And obviously, a sport like tennis could lend itself to that kind of situation. So yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Obviously, you're having a very proactive conversation with him and with his coaches, and and making sure that this continues to be a, a source of enjoyment and fun for him. Erica, right. I, I have so many other questions to ask you, but unfortunately, uh, I'm running out of time, which is our, right. happens uh, every week on the show. Uh, yeah. I, I thank you so much for, for being really so candid and honest this morning about what it's like to be a tennis mom, particularly in light of the fact that you were a top-flight tennis player yourself. Uh, and again, I, I want to just remind my my listeners, if you go to AskCoachWolf.com later in the day, uh, you'll really enjoy reading Erica's uh, comments about what it's like to be a tennis parent. Erica Volnovich, my thanks again, and hopefully Thank we'll have you, you back on the show again down the road. Oh, I'd love to. Thank you so much. So much fun. Thank you. Thanks, Erica. Okay, let me take a time out. I'll be back with some comments. Stay with me. You know, I have to, uh, I have to confess, uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time on the show talking about traditional team sports as opposed to individual sports. Now, I guess in my, uh, my senior year in high school, uh, I ran track and field, which is, a, you know, in effect, a team sp- or individual sport. But, but when I talk about individual sports like tennis or uh, swimming, gymnastics, figure skating, I'm sure I'm, I'm skipping a few others. Uh, those bring their own set of pressures uh, into the uh, competitive arena. And that's why I was fascinated to hear what Erica Volnovich had to say today. Because, yeah, I mean, even just in one generation, she said she really didn't get involved and committed to, to tennis until she was 11 or 12, whereas her son, who is 12, has been playing tennis for a while now and is very much involved uh, in the process. It's, uh, as you heard her talk about, uh, it's tennis five or six days a week, uh, tur- tournaments on the weekends, some travel, uh, time management skills become important so that the youngster make sure his grades and homework is done first before the tennis takes over. There's an ongoing conversation between the, the coaches uh, of her son and with uh, her and her husband and with her son about what it involves to play tennis. And again, the fact that uh, the junior tennis doesn't allow any coaching during the matches, I find that still be sort of somewhat anachronistic and antiquated. Um, 
But again, it's it's a, there are tremendous pressures that go along with individual sports. And if your son or daughter is going to be involved in one of those individual sports, you have to be prepared as a parent to know how is the best way to communicate with them, how to prepare them for when they're out, uh, let's say, in a tennis court in a match and things aren't going well. Maybe the opposing player is taking advantage of the fact that there's no line judge uh, and making, uh, how should we say, controversial calls that go against your son or daughter. I mean, we heard the stories. This is difficult stuff, and and it it is difficult for any parent to sort of cope with this and to keep your cool. Uh, You know, we heard that uh, one of the callers said, well, I just don't watch the matches because it's so difficult to keep an emotional uh, objectivity. Um, so again, this is what it's all about these days when you play tennis. Uh, it's also expensive. We know that as well just because of the fact that uh, there are uh, you have to pay for coaching and you have to go on the road for tournaments and that kind of thing. But And the last thing, of course, is how do you prevent burnout, which uh, you know basically Eric talked about. That's ongoing conversation to make sure that her 12-year-old son is, is okay and enjoying the process. As she said, the last thing uh, she says to him before he goes out and plays is to go out and have fun. And we've talked about that many times in the show before, that unfortunately, as youth sports become more and more competitive at younger ages, I fear that the element of fun is getting squeezed out of the equation. And that's why it's so essential that the parents make sure, particularly in sports like tennis at a young age, where, let's face it, a 12-year-old is already being ranked and being evaluated by college coaches. He's not even in high school yet. But you got to keep the fun involved. It's as simple as that. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Eds. My thanks this morning to Connor Green. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's up next talking baseball. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.